Good stuff. Even without Jenna and Chad, we don't need them. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm doing it this service. See, I'm, I'm getting y'all off the hook, so I figure I'll trash them both while I'm at it. I mean, we should, I'll tell you, with Chad gone, next time they do this, when, let me know in advance. We need to get like a no other name music video lined up to put on, this, to put on the screen or something. <laughs> yes, yes. Chad was in a group, if you didn't know, like legit. And uh, yeah, there's music videos and stuff. So, so yeah. Oh, yeah. No, they're good. We're good. Um, so, yeah, no, we've been picking at them. They're at a friend of mine's church today. Apparently, his music guy's out this weekend. They, they probably, about, I don't know, probably about a year or two years ago, something like that, they missed a whole bunch kind of off and on. And it was because he, his, he didn't have a music guy for a while. Uh, he's in Russellville, Kentucky, and uh, pastors a church there. And uh, he uh, he didn't uh, he he needed help, so they were going up and helping him a lot of Sundays. And so we were backstage earlier this morning. And I was like, "Where's Jenna?" At? And she's like, "They were like, oh, she's at Brad's church in Kentucky, and he, and she took Chad." And I was like, "What's up with that?" It's like he's got a music guy now. And I was like, "Apparently he's gone this weekend." So we'll share. We'll share. So. Still amazing. That's right. That's right. Uh, you know, and the truth is, is you don't have to have a band. Um, you don't have to have instruments, you know, but uh, praise God that we get to, you know, I, I love it. You know, I love, you know, you know, years and years ago, you know, and some of you've heard me say this before, years and years ago when we were looking at starting a church, you know, part of, part of my deal coming out of youth ministry where we had a band on Wednesday nights um, you know, I was at churches that a lot of times didn't have bands or the bands weren't, they were a little more like easy listening or something. I don't know what you would call them, but you know, uh, and, and that's some, and that's some people's thing, you know, but I, you know, I just had in my head, why can't there be churches who like you, when you worship God, it's, it's, it's rock and roll for Jesus. Like, why can't we you know, why can't I sing to Jesus as loud as I sing along with Guns N' Roses? I mean, you know, for, for whatever that's worth. So, and, and, and it be a biblical church that teaches the Bible and, and teaches Scripture, teaches the Gospel. So anyway, that's, that's, how, that's part of how we ended up here. So, um, so this morning I'm talking about, uh, talking about neighbors uh, and uh, banquets and food and all of that stuff this morning, and uh, I'm excited about talking about it. And uh, you know, we'll we'll kind of see this. And uh, just to be honest with you, for weeks and weeks and weeks now, I've just on my heart has been heavy. My neighbors, I, I've been I've found myself in the last couple of months standing on my back deck and just looking at the houses that are behind my house and saying to myself, Chris. You should know all of these people. You should know all of these people. And it's, and it's a conviction. Uh, and by the way, I'll be preaching to myself to, today. So if you think I'm beating up on you at any point this morning, I'm not. Uh, that would be God. He might be beating up on you a little bit. But uh, that's just called conviction. And uh, so anyway, I've just, I've just found myself convicted. And, and a couple weeks ago, I talked about this. Talk, talked a little bit about the neighbor thing. Talked a little bit about some of that stuff. And uh, I, I shared, uh, you know, that passage of Matthew eating with tax collectors who, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Jesus eating with tax collectors in the book of Matthew. Matthew is one of them. Um, and, and talked about, you know, this call that we have to love all people, 
even the people that we, if we're real honest, that we hate. And, and how, what's it look like for us to cross those barriers? I shared the video, if you were here, uh, and it's on, I shared it on Facebook uh, that week after um, the video of the, of the guy named Damon, who's a black guy who uh, befriends these dudes in the KKK, uh, and you know, was just talking about how convicted I was, just even seeing that, like seeing this guy who, I like, if I'm him, I'm thinking, man, that's the last person on earth I'm going to even want to talk to, much less he's building relationships with them that God might change their hearts and change them as people. And it just, what an, what an amazing testimony. What an amazing, you know. And, and so just in general, just talking about uh, just us and, and us as a people and us loving the people that God puts in our lives and that kind of thing. And I talked about neighbors a little bit that day, but this neighbor thing has continued to just dwell in my heart and just, and just be a conviction in my heart. So this morning we're talking about, uh, we're talking about neighbors a little bit. If you, in fact, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and get it out. We're going to Luke chapter 14. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers have them. They'll get you one. You can follow along with us. We'd love for you to do that. Um, and we're talking about a great banquet today that we see in Luke 14. Uh, I, I don't know when the last time was you got to go to a great banquet. Uh, you know, when I think about great banquets, I think about like some of the some of the classic like old school potluck dinners I have been to over the years in churches. Uh, I think of, uh, and by the way, if you don't own a Bible, you can keep that one. We'd love for you to have it. Um, but, you know, I think about, there's one restaurant that I always think of when I think of a great banquet. Uh, and uh, Nathan Loxley and I, you know, talk about this restaurant a lot. We go rarely. And, uh, and it's a place downtown called Monell's. Has anybody been to Monell's? Can give a testim- testimony to, to Monell's. Yeah, there you go. It is dangerous. You are correct. If you've never been to Monell's, it's, uh, you go into this old house, and, uh, and I, there's actually several locations now, but the original one's the only one I ever go to. It's down in Germantown. And you go to this old house, and you go in, and they've got these rooms set up with these big, huge dining room tables. I mean, like big, like, you know, 20-something people can fit around them big kind of thing. And you go in, and uh, you just sit down. You sit down with people you don't know, which would be good for some of you, by the way, uh, especially with what we're talking about today. Uh, but uh, you sit down with people you don't know, and they basically just start bringing food. In fact, I, I just uh, a few minutes ago, I thought to myself, you know, I wonder what Monell's is having today. So I pulled up the menu so we can look at it. You like this, don't you? Here we go. So here we go. It says... Uh, it says, all meals are served with our famous fried chicken, meats of the day, several hot southern vegetables, salads, drink, dessert, and biscuits. Friday and Saturday, lunch features three meats, and dinner features four meats. Four for the win. If you have never been on a Friday or Saturday night to Monell's, you are missing out, okay? I'm just here to tell you. And so then you go down, it says Sunday, today is skillet fried chicken. Not just fried chicken, my friends, skillet fried chicken, okay? There is a difference, okay? And, and chef's choice of meats, which basically means whatever he had left from the week, which could have been chicken and dumplings and meatloaf, 
could have been spinach stuffed shells or pot roast, could have been baked chicken, fried pork chops, sliced roast beef uh, with gravy and meatloaf, of course, uh, or fried catfish uh, or uh, pulled barbecue pork or ribs. So, you know, it's fried chicken and one of those today at least. And sometimes they're just like, yeah, we went ahead and added a couple more. So it's just, and, and you just go and you just sit and they just, and you just, you're just passing bowls and like, you know, and you empty a bowl and you'd think we emptied that bowl. We're done with that. And they're like, no, they come back and they're like, let me get you another bowl. And they just, I mean, they just keep, they just keep bringing it. It is ridiculous. So some of you will end up there before the day's over with. They close at four. I checked. So <laughs> you've got between now and four, just wait till I get done. Okay. Just kidding, just kidding. I don't care. Uh, so uh, yeah, we're we're so we're talking about this neighbor thing in this past. We talk about this banquet thing, and uh, and in talking about the neighbor thing, I can't help but think of of two songs. There are two songs that come to mind when I think of, and I've thought about them like all week as I've been possibly thinking about what I was teaching on it being around neighbor, and I've been singing these songs to myself. Now the first one. Most of you will have no idea what it is. It's Ugly Kid Joe, and it's called Neighbor. And it's a spoof. It's kind of a spoof of the other song, but you can hear it after the service is over with. I've got Danny playing it for your uh, metal enjoyment. And so, and then the other one is this one, which you probably know. Now, who in here is willing to admit you don't know who Mr. Rogers is? I have always wanted to have a neighbor. One. Like there are others, you. I know. I've always wanted yeah, to. Yeah. So in the first service, we had all these students that were sitting down front, and I've been talking about Mr. Rogers and going on, and and we sang part of the song together in the first service, and and at the end of it, Clay's over here and he's like pointing at all these students. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he was like, they don't know who he is, and I was like. Oh yeah, I was like, just Google it, you know, Google Mr. Rogers, you'll figure it out. So this is this is some of our childhoods right here, you know, and uh, pretty pretty awesome, amazing person. I actually know a lot about Mr. Rogers. I've studied the history of Mr. Rogers, which is I know really weird, but whatever. Um, so and I'll bear you spare you from that. Um, so but yeah, so I'm thinking about this whole neighbor thing. And as I've been thinking about this neighbor thing, as God's been convicting my heart about my neighbors. One of the things that has just really kind of surfaced in my life, in my heart, and Aaron and I have talked a little bit about this, is that we should, we should be praying for our neighbors. You know, I, I have figured out something in life that it's like one of those like, duh, you know, like you got to get hit in the head 10 times in a row to like, you know, finally remember it or something, but, uh, and then I still forget. But the things that are important to us, if we are convicted about them, if they are really important to us, then we will lift them up in prayer. And, that, and that, goes, that goes for our neighbors. That goes for our neighbors. Now, in that message a couple weeks ago, I talked about, you know, a lot of these people are people that, you know, maybe come from different walks of life. They're not like us, or maybe they drive us crazy because they shoot fireworks off in the middle of the night or whatever it is, you know. Um, you know, but God has placed them in our lives for a reason. So I want to talk about, this a little more, but I'd rather read uh, this passage of scripture with you out of Luke 14. Luke 14, verse 12. Luke 14, verse 12. And this is Jesus, and he's, uh, he's about to give like some, 
you know, encouraging words about how to go about holding your banquet, okay, uh, and who to invite. He says this in verse 12. He says, he said also to the man who had invited him, you, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. So Jesus is kind of giving this little teaching here, and he's, and he's helping us to, you know, and helping these folks to kind of think about the fact that we're usually guilty of wanting to invite the same people over and over, aren't we? Like, we'll, we'll, invite, we'll invite our buddies, and, you know, we'll invite, you know, the people that are, probably, you know, a lot of times most like us and that kind of thing. And Jesus is saying, hey, Invite some different folks. Don't just invite these people. Don't, in fact, he's saying, don't invite people in hopes that you will get something out of it on the backside. And the truth is, is that we, we're a bunch of sinners who need a savior. Okay, let's just kind of clear the air on that. We all know that. Uh, but, but, but to say it out loud and then to be able to say, we go through life doing things sometimes for other people thinking what will I get from them because I did this for them later on? You know, now we don't, we, we, we don't want to be that way, but, but our sinner self sometimes leads us to that place. You know, it leads us to this whole like, well, I wonder, you know, if, I, if we have them over for dinner, you know, maybe they'll have us over for dinner. Maybe they'll share their season tickets with us, you know, or something. I mean, you know, I don't know. And uh, so anyway... Uh, it goes on, and it says in verse 13, it says, But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So Jesus kind of, flip-flops this. Now, he's not just teaching, by the way. He's at a banquet, okay? And he is talking to the person who has invited him to their banquet. And he's saying to them these things. He's saying, hey, bro, let me catch you for just a minute. You know, really enjoying this steak right here. Hey, I want to just kind of encourage you in a few things. Don't invite your friends and the rich people how about, how about when you do these kinds of things, maybe you should invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. I'm sure that guy's like, um, give me that steak back, you know? But Jesus has got a reason behind teaching this. And of course, he's, he's teaching here. He's not just teaching this guy, he's talking to this guy, but he's teaching all of these people that they might hear this, they might have an understanding of something that's bigger than what they realize is going on. You know, and I think that's, I think that's us a lot of times. We, we, there, there's, so much, there's so much bigger going on for the kingdom of God than what we're thinking about and what we're focused on because we're so, we're so focused on us and we're so focused on the moment, you know? Verse 15, it goes on, it says this, it says, when one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, a man once gave a, gave a great banquet. Again, Jesus is 
teaching, okay? A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who have been invited, come for everything is now ready. So first of all, let's talk about this guy. This guy's having a banquet. Jesus is talking about another guy who has had a banquet, a great banquet, and he invited everybody. Well, the way the invitations worked back then, and I kind of like this. There was, you know, there was some planning ahead, but there was still a little gunslinger. You got to play it by ear, and I really appreciate that. I hope you know that. And 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 so uh, because I don't want everything to be, you know, everything to be scheduled. Like let's don't do that. Let's don't live life like that. And so. Um, the way it would work is they would send out an invitation with, with a lot of advance notice. You know, I don't know, a month or several weeks or whatever it was, uh, several days. I have no idea, but whatever they considered a lot of notice, they would send out the invitation. And on this date, here's the save the date, you know, for this banquet. By the way, I laugh every time I get, and this is a confession of sin right now, uh, and, I, and it's sin towards some of you. If you have ever had a child and you have a birthday party for them when they're one and you send me an invitation, I laugh, okay, just so you know. Because I'm, I'm like, that kid doesn't have a clue. You know, go buy that kid some more diapers or something, you know. But whatever, I mean, it's funny. It's just funny, okay. Uh, so anyway, in this situation, they would send out the invitation, save the date, put it on your calendar, and then if you notice, then the servant would go around to everyone, it says, everyone who had been invited and say, come, for everything is now ready. So you've got the official, like, here's the way this goes, you know, here's, here's when it's going to be. But then the, when the day comes for the, for the banquet, everybody's just got to like sit around and wait for like the guy to come by and go, hey, we're ready to go. Time to party. I, I like that. I like that. I think that's cool. I don't. I just. I just think. You know how awesome is it that they're just like hanging out, like going, "When's this thing gonna start? Is his wagon broke down? You know, like what's going on? You know, I mean, you know, I just can't can't help but wonder." So he comes by. He tells them all, "Time to come." So they've had a lot of advance notice, and I think that's important to the story. Story. They've had a lot of advance notice, and the guy comes by. In verse 18, it says, but they all alike began to make excuses. I'll read it again. But they all alike began to make excuses. Man, this is us right here. We, we love to make excuses. And here it goes. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. Now, I'm just, I'm just wondering. Like, if you bought a field, don't you already know what it looks like? I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, and, and then on top of that, he's like, I must go out and see it. So, so he, basically, he's saying, I can't come to your party because here's what I need to do. I need to go my field and check it out. Good field. I mean, you know. So, so pretty lame excuse. Then comes, they get better, okay? So then comes the next one, verse 19, and another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I, go to ex and, and I need to go to examine them. Please have me excused. Okay, so this guy has bought some oxen. Now, in that day and age, 
were you really buying a lot of stuff sight unseen? Did he get this on eBay or something? Where like he hadn't seen it yet and the pictures weren't really that good that he needed to really go check these oxen out? I mean, he already bought them. This is a done deal. But he needs to go check them out. Now the last one, get ready. It says, and another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. <laughs> this is the same answer I get from dudes in our church when I try to get them to go eat wings. They'll be like, man, I can't go. I'm sorry. I'm like, dude, I get it. It's all good. You know what I mean? <laughs> you got to love it. You got to love it. <laughs> Verse 21 keeps going. It says, so the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and he said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, sir, what you commanded has been done and there is still room. So basically word comes back through the servant. Hey man, we, we went out and we told everybody we're ready for the banquet and they all have the lamest excuses you've ever heard. One of them even was like, you know, he got married and that's it, you know. So the guy looks at his servant and he says, tell you what, go out and bring in this grouping of people that God has called us, that Jesus is calling. Earlier in the passage, he's saying, you know, go out and get these people. And he, and he says, if you notice, he says, and bring in, bring in, okay? Bring in, it says, the poor and crippled and blind and lame. Bring them in. He doesn't say go and invite them. He says, bring them in here. Get them here that the house may be full. And the servant's like, hey, actually we did that and there's still room. Verse 22, and the servant said, what you've commanded has been done and there's still room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. Compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of these men who were invited shall taste my banquet. So, Jesus is, and he's, he's telling this story for a reason. I think it's easy for us to back away from things like wanting to be involved in other people's lives. I think it's, it's cleaner. You know, our, our, li our lives are, are messy and busy and all these things, but when we get involved with other people, they, they do things like let us down. Imagine that, you know? Because um, they're sinners too. And for us to see that Jesus felt this was so important that he, would, that he would teach about this. And that his entire ministry, if we're just real honest, his entire ministry is over and over and over him saying, 
Love the people like I've loved you. Love the people. And, and over and over, he's setting examples for us. He's, he's eating with tax collectors and sinners. Huge, huge deal that he did that. I mean like blowing the lids off Pharisees, huge deal that he would do that. And that he did that. And then now in turn, he's saying, hey, don't invite the people that you would normally invite. Invite the people that nobody's inviting. Invite the uninvited. And he says, actually I misspoke. He doesn't say invite them. He says that the man, the master, said to the servant, go out and bring them in. Go out and compel the people to come in. You know, we, we're good at that. Did you know that? Did you know that we're good at compelling people to things? We're really good at it. Like, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, I think we think, at least we think we are sometimes. Maybe we're not as good as we think. But for the most part, when we want to compel somebody to something, I mean, we are, all of a sudden, we turn into Matlock. Or Matlock, the lawyer, Andy Griffith turned into a lawyer one day in Atlanta and was on TV and he was Matlock, you know? We, t- we turn into Matlock. We, we want to compel somebody to something. Hey, do you know anybody that can, you know, you know anybody that can fix this at my house? I mean, you just post that on Facebook and see what happens. And like in, in five minutes, there'll be all these people on there. Oh, you got to use, tagging them and here they are. Here's their phone number. You got to call them. You th- you'd think that they were getting a cut. You know, and, and, and I mean, like, oh, you know, they, and here's what they did for us. And they fixed our thing and did it in the rain. And they did, you know, all this stuff. I mean, we're just, we're just crazy about like, you know, compelling people to things. <laughs> but it's funny how that changes for us when it starts to get personal, when it's, something that it's investing our lives into the lives of others. And Jesus takes out the time in the midst of a banquet to teach the guy who invited him to eat his steak dinner this truth about something that we, we struggle with. It says, and bring in the poor, the crippled, and blind and lame. Compel people to come in. To urge them. I, th- I think there's a lot of Christians today that have just taken the notion that it's like, well, you know, if God really wants them to be in the kingdom, you know, if he really wants them to know him, he'll, he'll do the work. I don't need to do anything. Folks, folks, if, if we really believe that and we said that in front of the Apostle Paul, I am pretty sure that he would punch us in the face. You know? I, I, I think that he would look at us and go, what in the world? What kind of gospel are you saved by? Why in the world would we give up on what we know as the sick when we have the great physician who can heal them. We can't do that. See, you take that in the context 
with who God's put in our lives. And we talked about this a good bit two weeks ago. But again, this word neighbor, the Bible talks about neighbors a lot. I pay it, try to pay attention when I notice something like that. When I notice that over and over, my Savior constantly refers to my neighbors and the importance of loving my neighbors and ministering to my neighbors, I think that it's important for us to pay attention. Now, now I'll, I'll make this argument too. So let me, let me, let me throw this into the, into, the, into the pot too. I think that it's possible that we could make in this day and age in our culture, we could make a a pretty good argument that neighbors for us today aren't just like neighbors were back then. Like neighbors back then were literally their neighbors, like they all lived close together within, you know, groups of people and whatever. Uh, and, And I think we could make an argument today that neighbors for us today sometimes are people that we work with or we sit on a bleacher while we're watching our kids' ball games or whatever it is, it's, it's who we have in our lives, the people that God has placed in our lives, and who God has placed us into their lives. Now, let me, let me just, let me just can, I'm going to be honest with you for just a second. Like, sometimes that scares me. I want you to know that. I want you to know that there are moments in my life where I realize God has placed me into the lives due to my side business a lot of times, into the lives of people that they don't know me as a pastor. They don't know me as a believer. They know me as a guy that's selling something or whatever it is and, and a business owner. And I have moments in time where I get to show them the gospel and show them what this love looks like. And I, I'm, I want to go on record and saying I too am at times scared about what's that look like and am I being faithful with it. I, I, I'm, I'm on the docket to speak at a pinball convention in October in Chicago with pinball people. And like the other people on this thing are like the owners of pinball companies. Like I'm just a... I'm just a dude that's picked a bunch of junk out of warehouses and resold it. You know, I mean, I'm like, you know. And when I asked the guy, when he asked me if I, what he wanted me to speak on, he just says to me, I want you to tell him who you are. And he, and he knows who I am. You know, and I said, what do you mean by that? He said, you know what I mean by that. So when I turned in the title to like my little thing, which I have no idea who would want to come and listen to me talk at one of these dumb things. Um, when I turned in the title, it was like uh, Chrome Picking Hot Rods Family and Jesus. And he came back to me and he was like, I'm just going to, he's like, dude, you know I'm a believer. He's like, but I'm going to tell you, if you put Jesus on that thing, you might not get some of those people to come in. Now you could still talk about him. And I was like, okay, whatever you think. I'll leave it to you. You put it on there. He dropped, he dropped Jesus from the thing, but I'm going to talk about Jesus in the thing, okay? So the conviction here is, are we being good neighbors? Mr. Rogers taught us all that time, won't, won't you be my neighbor? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you be my brother or sister in Christ? That's the opportunity that we've got in front of us. 
And it's going to be easy for us to invite people to the table who look just like us, talk just like us. Maybe they got a suite at Bridgestone that they've got access to for the good games and concerts. You know, just saying, give them enough ribs, maybe they'll give us, a, you know, invite us to the show or whatever. I mean, that's the way we think in our heads. And Jesus is calling that out. And he's saying, don't do it. Don't fall into that trap. Love everybody. Here's the truth. It kills me. Think about this. But many that are invited didn't come. And many that will be invited to the great banquet will not come, folks. But we don't, it's not our job to figure out who's going to and who's not. Our job is just to be faithful with those people that God has put in our lives and that we would be Jesus to them and that we would love them no matter what they're going through. <laughs> These guys had some sorry excuses. I need to go check out the land, I need to go see the oxen, I got married to a wife. All of the things. And, and, and silly as they sound, we do the same thing. Well, I, Chris, I can't have people in my house. I just, I'm not that kind of person. I'll be honest with you. I, I'd, I'd almost be afraid that God would take my house away if I didn't use it for his glory somehow. He has called us to that in this life. I don't say that and some kind of like try to guilt you into doing something. I'm just saying. I think for us, we've got to reevaluate what life looks like. If it is so important for us to invest in our neighbors, then we should know them and they should know us. We, we, have, a, we have a micro church meets at our house on Sunday nights. Micro churches, if you're new to 24, are kind of, our, kind of like our small group thing that we do here, small group ministry. Uh, we call them microchurches because we want people to see even their gathering outside of Sunday mornings as still being the church. They're like many, many churches. It's still because the church is the people. Church is people gathering together. And we just want people to always remember that, that it's not a building and it's not about Sunday mornings, but it's about something much bigger than that. And, and, the, and the vision idea behind microchurches has been for some time, and uh, Nathan's led us through this, and now Ben's leading us through this, uh, and, and we're trying to hone in on it, actually activate and, and move forward with the mission that God's given us as, as being like these places all around our community that people in the community know that we exist. Like people in my neighborhood that they would know that we exist for God, but also for them as people in our neighborhood that they know that on Sunday nights they could come, be a part, they could come get something to eat, they could come hang out, they would get prayed for, they would get loved on, and we'd have a good time. So the beginning of this conviction after a long time, and when we moved in there, I mean, I, I, even on the, I remember, remember walking out on the deck and looking at those houses the way I've been looking at them the last couple of months, but... When we first moved in there, I thought, you know, that's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to get to know all these people, and, and it hadn't happened. So as the conviction has grown stronger in the last couple months, I've started praying, and Aaron and I both have pr been praying some specifically for uh, some neighbors that live right next to us on either side. It was like, well, let's just start right here. Start with the people that 
we've got maybe some semi-relationships with and try to grow those and build those and, and ask God to continue to, to work in that. And so uh, he has begun to kind of work there, I feel like. And, and so I got home, I don't know, a while ago, a couple weeks ago, and it, was, it had been a long day, up early, working until pretty late, and really physically exhausting day that I had had. And I hadn't been home all day, and I think it was like 10.30 at night or something when I rolled in. And we've said hi for like five seconds, and then she starts getting text messages. And she says, and I'm talking about these neighbors, I don't think that they would at all mind what I'm saying today, so I'm not talking bad about them at all. We love them very much, excited about possibilities here. But um, she says, Aaron says to me, um, you know, I'm getting text messages right now from next door. You know, we've been saying that we want to minister to them. I said, uh-huh. And she said, you up for that? And I was like, right now? And she's like, mm-hmm. I was like, dang. I was like, ah, uh, yeah. Tell, tell him to meet me in the basement in 10 minutes. So... He comes over and had had somebody that he worked with actually kill himself. He had just, just been working with the guy, you know, like just really, just really threw him. You know, luckily enough, this, this couple, they're believers, so we're on the same page with that already. But we talked and, you know, prayed and all that good stuff for quite a while. He and, he and his wife both came over to talk, talk with us for a little bit. They got a, they've got a little baby girl, but uh, they've also got like the fancy uh, baby monitors where like you can watch it on the cell phone. So like they're watching her on the cell phone while they're sitting in my basement, which is kind of crazy. So she was leaving. So as, as we've been praying about that and just looking for that, and, and we've been sharing that even with our, even with our micro church, we've been sharing with people, because a lot of people come to our micro church don't live in our neighborhood. And we've just been saying, hey, you know, we're, we're, we're feeling convicted about trying to reach these people. We don't even know a bunch of these people. And we think that it starts with, like, some of these neighbors that are right here close by that we've started building relationships with and just be praying with us about that. Well, then Friday night, a couple of families ended up together that actually live in our neighborhood who also are a part of our microchurch. And we just went to grab some food and... Um, we come back home, and Aaron had made a cheesecake, which apparently is really amazing. I don't eat cheese, cheesecake, so everybody else loves it. And so she had mentioned, hey, I got cheesecake back at the house. So then, like, all the women are like, whoa, we're going there. So uh, we, all, we all come back to the house. And then ends up our, the lady that lives next to us, she comes over to eat cheesecake as well. Because uh, I guess they're all out in the driveway talking or something. I don't know how that happened. She just, like, showed up in the kitchen. I was like, hey, it's good to see you. How you doing? So we talk and hang out, and you know, as we're hanging out, like one of the things came up, she's like, it is so good to be with you guys. And, and I just, I looked at her and I said, you know, we would, I know we've said it before, but we would love for you to hang with us on Sunday nights. Like, this is what it's like. Like, we're just hanging out and just checking on each other, you know? We'd love for you to be a part of this, you know, be a, you know, be a part of this community with us. So... She's like, yeah, I need to get out more, you know, yada, yada, yada. So then yesterday, yesterday I'm in my driveway, and I'm actually working on a lock on our door. It's acting crazy or whatever. And, um, and he comes home, and I was like, hey, man, what's going on? Oh, nothing. What you up to? So we start talking, and somehow the conversation ends up back around with like, uh, 
was about his wife coming over the night before and uh, she had a good time and all that stuff. And I looked at him, I was like, dude, I was like, you know, we would love for you to join us on Sunday nights. I know I've said that before. I said, but we really would. Like, we all would love for you to come, you guys to come and hang out with us. You know, and, and he was like, y'all meeting tomorrow night? I was like, yeah. He's like, you ever need anybody to help cook? I was like, yes! I mean, you got to know my life. Like, I, I don't get out of here on a Sunday till like 1 o'clock, and then we go eat somewhere. By the time we get home, it's like 3.30. People are showing up at my house at 5.30. And, and I will have, like, laid down trying to go to sleep amongst my kids acting crazy or whatever. And, you know, by the time people are showing up, like, I, I feel like somebody shot me. You know, I look like a wounded dog dragging myself out of the bedroom, like... How you guys doing? Thanks for coming over. They're like, you still asleep, aren't you? I'm like, yeah, a little bit. I just, I just share all that with you to, to say this. I'm, I'm as pitiful as anybody else with following through in the things that God has called me to do at times. But we've got a great opportunity in front of us to love our neighbors to minister to people that you and I don't even know who will become our best friends. Our little banquets can lead others to the great one. Our little banquets can lead others to the great one. You see, the great banquet that Jesus is talking about, the great banquet that he's talking about, he's talking about his coming back. He's talking about the kingdom of God as it has come. He's talking about right now we have opportunity to minister to others, to love people through eating food. Is there anybody here that doesn't like doing that? I think they all moved up north or something, right? Everybody in the south likes eating food, right? I kid, of course. Folks, we do have a great opportunity, and I think for us to be remembering that we should be compelling people to come with us. We should be bringing them with us. And when I say that, I'm not just saying to church. I mean, yeah, you could bring people to church services, to our, to our worship gatherings. Yeah, you could do that. Oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be great might be a great way for, for, for people to, to come and hear the gospel. But, you know, I think what Jesus is trying to teach us is not just bringing people to services, but to bringing people along with us in life. That we wouldn't come home and lock our doors and stay to ourselves, huddled up. We're safe. Ain't nobody safe. That's a joke. There is something greater for us in this world, and it is the kingdom of God. And we get to have a part of bringing people to it. I'm praying today that we would be faithful in that. 
And you might be here this morning and you might just say, Chris, if I'm here and I'm just honest with you today, I know a lot about Jesus or I've gone to church some or whatever, but I don't know Jesus as my Savior. I want you to know that he loves you and he's given his life for you. And that what he has done in doing that was exactly what we needed to pay off the debt that we owed for our sin. We find forgiveness in Jesus, and he wants you to know him. He wants you to have a relationship with him. He wants you to be a part of the family, and that's what this is about. We are the family of God. Many will be invited, and many won't come. But God will bring a bunch of people into our lives who were uninvited. And he wants us to pour into them and compel them and urge them and bring them to him. I pray this morning that we would be good neighbors. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word and how it just cuts to the heart of some of the things that we struggle with. God, I pray that we would have in mind the greater banquet and not just our little ones. God, I pray that we would remember, Lord, to seek you for our guidance and to lead others to speak into their hearts before we ever talk to them. Lord, I pray that you would compel people in our lives that you're putting on our hearts and that we would be faithful in harvesting those fields. Lord, lead us and guide us in that. Lord, in the next few moments, Lord, as we take this time, Lord, to remember the sacrifice that you made, God, I pray, Lord, that you would be honored and glorified and that we would be humbled and that we would remember, Lord, who you are and what you've done for us. Lord, thank you for sending your son to die on the cross. Thank you for an empty tomb. Thank you for completing and doing for us what we couldn't do. We love you. In your name we pray.